You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I am here with Dan and Jason. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's good to have you. All right, guys. This is two weeks in a row. I, you know, do we call it a comeback at this point? Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks <laughs> right. is a comeback. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks is an anomaly. <laughs> yeah, three weeks is a pattern, right? Yeah. So hey, uh like we're kinda getting in the groove. I think summer threw us off big time. So uh, you know, and planning for GuildCon and all that good stuff, but you know, we're back, we're doing we're doing our episodes again. And uh so as always, let's talk about our geek week. I I am going to choose to go first this time because I feel like my geek week is a little light. It's about so. time you go first. I wanna hear it. <laughs> Uh, it's really not that good. So it's kind of funny that I'm going first. All right. So the first thing um, that I have is that uh, there's there, the new Warhammer Plus app came out. Okay. This caused quite a bit of controversy because people were paying either $4 for the Age of Sigmar Azure app, right? That would give you like all the access to your books and stuff like that digitally. And or they're paying three dollars a month for the 40k app. Well, they combined everything together, and they have now the Warhammer Plus app that is five dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, um, or five ninety nine a month or sixty dollars a year. So, works out to be about five dollars a month if you get the yearly subscription. Anyway, the point of this is is that it brings everything into one giant app. So you'll have access to all the 40k stuff. You'll have access to all the Age of Sigmar stuff. There's a whole bunch of um, animated stuff that they're doing. So there's like a Blood Angels animated thing that was kind of interesting. I sort of caught a little bit of the first episode. I need to go back and watch it. Um, and uh, they've got like masterclass painting things that you don't get on YouTube. Like a little bit more in depth on painting, you know, figures and stuff like that. Um, and they've got a lot of... Um, instructional videos on how to play the different games uh you know and they have like battle reports and things like that well one thing was conspicuously missing when they launched and there was no section for war cry Uh in there they had necromunda (gasps) they had kill team they had yeah so all the people in the war cry facebook group were like freaking out they're like what does this mean what does this mean well five days later there's war cries up there you know so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's there it's just it wasn't there at launch which you it's, know i mean i give it's the I community give, listen i give games workshop at least two months to figure their crap out after they launch because they are notorious bad launching technology stuff well and they um, have their community is notorious for rumen oh so bad and <laughs> and jumping the gun like yeah just give it a week. And they, they even said, like, all these things will be updated. Just be patient. But, of course, the community can't be patient. So, anyway. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't spell yeah. orcs with a K in this one article. Oh, is there a new race? There's a new sub-faction. Here it comes, guys. Get ready. Exactly. Save your money. It is wild. So, um, so amidst all of this talk about them saying, like, hey, Warcry, is it even going to be supported anymore? Like, especially with Kill Team coming out. I'm like, dude, these are two different games. And, like... And and amidst all of this, they released downloadable um, faction cards and abilities for the new um, units that are in the Dominion box. So the new Stormcast Eternal units and the new Cruel Boy Orcs. So I now have two new warbands. 
because I now have their cards and their um I thought you abilities. already had Stormcast Eternals. Well, this is a new faction of Stormcast Eternals. So there are now four factions of Stormcast Eternals that you can play with. Huh. There's the okay. Warriors, which are the Hammer guys, right? There's the um, uh, Sequiturs, which are like your mages, right? There's the Vanguard, which are like your crossbowmen. And then now there's these Thunderstrike guys that have like the big mm. shields and Annihilators and stuff like that. So. Cool. But anyway, the point is, is that like amidst all of this, it's like they come out with this, and I'm like, hey, guys, I think that they're still supporting the game. I mean, they just gave right. you free right. cards yeah. and, and faction abilities that you can download and print and play this game if you've yeah. got the Dominion box. But you can only you print know. them once because then the PDF will be destroyed and they can't recover it. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny because the app comes out and they're like, oh, my gosh, Warcry is never going to be supported anymore. And then this article comes out with these things, and in the article it says – by the way, we got some great things planned for Warcry coming up. So it's just like, guys, can you just please chill the freak just out? Chill. Yeah. <laughs> like, just chill out. So, yeah. Gamers being gamers. I know, I know. All right, the second thing that I have is that um, there is a new animated uh, movie on Netflix, and it is The Witcher. Um, I'm getting the exact title. Wait, so the, was that a movie or is it a series? Uh, it's remember. a one hour and 23 minute movie. Oh, okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so it is called The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, and it details how Vesemir, who was the mentor to Geralt of Rivia, the main mm, character, right. it, it details how Vesemir came to be a witcher and like how he inherited the um, the keep where uh, Kaer Morn uh, where like they trained as witchers, right? So, yep, it's uh, pretty good. The animation is um, very similar to like the last Airbender. Um, ah, is Avatar. it uh... it's kind of a, a nouveau um, anime? It's like a blend between kind of Western and Eastern animation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, is it uh, family appropriate, or are there like naked genie sex in it? Um, it's TVMA, so it's there's TV probably, okay. there's, okay. I, you know, I don't know, I've only gotten through the first little bit of it, um, I don't know if it's full-blown naked genie sex, um, or if it's just adult-themed, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's it probably, has, uh... listen, it's probably very similar to, um, Castlevania, oh, in dude. terms of content. But that, I mean, we talked about this last time, right? Or I yeah. can't remember. You know, Castlevania was great. For four seasons, except for one episode at the end of season three, that yeah. was like full up like three scene orgy at the same time. Yeah, and and, and so I was like, this, "What am I watching?" This will probably have like two minutes where it's like he's in a brothel and it's yeah. just like out of control. It's just that. It's just like uh, two minutes. IMDb has it down as mild. A woman's breast is seen for about two seconds. A man's buttocks are seen as he gets out of the out of a tub. Oh well, we all get out of tubs. Yeah. Yep, and we all have buttocks. <laughs> There's a brief kissing scene. Speak so, for yourself. Uh, very frequent use of the F word. Wait, brief kiss- kissing? Oh, man. I know. It's too much. Too much. Too oh, much. My kids can't watch it now. However, IMDb says Mary McDonald, who was the president on Battlestar Galactica, is the voice of Lady Zerbst. Oh, nice. Should I be excited about that? I mean, well, why wouldn't you? Are they her breasts for two seconds? <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's just weird to think about that. I know, right? <laughs> well, she did have cancer, so yeah. It's probably, she did. Probably she's, a, she's a fighter. I'm no the character, not Mary. Not yeah, Mary. No, yeah, she's I a should, fighter. I should shut the up, character. Yeah. We should not make light of people who are struggling with cancer. There are a lot of people in in our lives that have had that. A lot yeah. of people overcome. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So yeah, that's my geek week. So check out The Witcher: Nightmare of the Wolf, and uh, if you're looking, if you got the Dominion box of uh, with the orcs and Stormcast Eternals, go look on the Warhammer community and download your free Warcry sheets and come play Warcry with me. There you yeah. go. Sweet. Let's do it. Sweet. Just name the time. Then someone other than me can satisfy Justin's Warcry crave. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You like playing too. Don't lie. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, Justin, what we'll do is we'll alternate. We'll do like one week or every two weeks. We'll do Warcry and then go back to like X-Wing or Armada and just kind of alternate. Because I need somebody to play these Star Wars games with and you need somebody yep. to, to kick the crap out of in Warcry. See? See? Well, um, so Jason's been beating me a lot lately, but I've also been testing out other factions quite a bit. So right. he'll play his ogres, and I'll be like, "Okay, new faction. We're gonna play these kind of orcs, or we're yeah. gonna play, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, Just to get like the this thing." Yeah, exactly. And it's been kind of fun to do that. So because I'm ready to get back into uh, these games that I've sunk so much money into. Yeah, for sure. Maybe just a little too optimistically, considering where we are in our global pandemicness but um uh yeah uh, i i do want i i do need people to play with and um there's a few people in our group but i just haven't it's just a matter of figuring out a way to do it more casually yeah definitely i've got a great scenario that um revolves around the curse city that is a four-player game nice so you would you play you kind of do a little round robin where each of the four players plays each other you know so you have like three games and yeah. then the fourth game is a free for all at the end so that's kind of cool and you get advantages if you had won some of your other games um, in that last game so it's a pretty cool scenario um, that was another free content thing that Warhammer put out in the community you know so it's like they're not supporting us anymore by giving us all this free stuff. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Anyway, all right, Dan, you're up next. So I I announced a couple podcasts ago that I was done with the battle table. Well, this battle table is never really going to be done. It's like uh, it's like rose red. It's just going to start building itself soon. <laughs> it's more like <laughs> you're going to come down one morning and it's taking up like three quarters of your basement. You're like, how did that happen? <laughs> It's alive! No, it's more like Disneyland because this thing is never truly done. So my next thing that I'm doing next <laughs> is um, I had game Weird Gamers down here on Saturday night. We record on Mondays. And I just have a lighting problem in this basement at night. I just cannot get enough light. I mean, the, the bulbs I have right above the game table are LED 100-watt equivalents, and there's just something away about the way the light bounces around this room. It's not bright enough. So... There's USB power in every single cubby, so I bought seven, because there's eight cubbies, so I bought seven uh, LED uh, um, lamp lights on, a, on an articulating arm. And um, of course, they can go right into the USB power. And um, I'm gonna use those plastic hook and loop things that you get on the back of the Easy Pass, so they could be mounted to the top of the cubby, but if you wanted to pop them off, and point them in a specific way, you would be able to do that. 
Hmm. Um, so they were only about six bucks each, so I got seven of them. The reason why they're seven and not eight is because when I originally strung the LEDs around the internal perimeter, I had about 18 inches of string left. And so I, I lined the GM station with LEDs. And so everybody else is struggling with light in their cubby. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? <laughs> right. I, I thought that that LED string would be bright enough to kind of just shed a little bit of light into the cubby, but not enough for the writing desks because the writing desks kind of produce a shadow and it's just anyway. So we'll be lighting things up. And frankly, you know, giving everybody a little writing desk lamp is better than trying to figure out a better way to overlight this 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 room. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, that's on my to do list. Um, I'm getting into more 3D terrain for my RPG sessions. I had a box of 3D terrain. I finally, I mean, I moved a year ago and I had not untaped the box where I had um, some birch wood that had been laser cut and some old Watsy 3D terrain. So. We really got a lot of use out of that, and uh, I've get, I'm getting a lot of use out of my different terrain pieces in, in the RPG sessions, and it's really helping make the battle table a lot more, more fun, because I tend to want to use minis for combat, because it just makes my life so much easier than Theater of the Mind. You'd think Theater of the Mind would be easier, except for when you're the GM and you're juggling everything in your mind. <laughs> um, so, and I'm, I'm like, you know, should I get a CNC and start cutting my own birch? Yeah, totally. Um, or should I, because uh, I could use a CNC for like a hundred other things. So if you're going to ask us whether or not you should get like more cool gadgets, I think you know the answer. Yeah. That's an yeah. easy you guys, You guys are not helpful. <laughs> 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 so I need to start researching CNCs and, uh, because I know there's a lot of guys who use them in woodworking quite a bit. Um, there's so. like combo, uh, there's combo, uh, machines now you can get that, that, you know, you yeah. can change out the mechanism and do laser cutting, 3d printing, CNC. Yeah. And maybe that's what I need is just a laser cutter. But you could do that. What's that, what's that terrain called? That's like kind of the flat board stuff that they put together. You yeah, see a lot on like infinity. Yes, it is the, um, are you talking about the birch, the, um, yeah, there's a name for that type of terrain. I don't remember what it is though. It's yeah, like, uh, it's, it's laser cut birch. Yeah, laser plywood. cut. Yep. But I I don't know exactly. But yeah, that stuff. Yeah, maybe I should get a Glowforge. That'd be cool. Anyway, it's fun. You should. And uh, I prob I probably have no good reason. And uh, but no good reason not to. No good reason. I see. And the other thing is, is should I just get into 3D printing, and print terrain pieces that way? Is that cheaper easier lower barrier of entry oh uh, i mean yeah yeah look it's the uh once you get your 3d printer up and running i mean it's gonna cost you probably 200 dollars for a decent decent printer um a couple spools of stuff is gonna be you know like 40 bucks and then you can go out and there are so many places now where you can go buy packs of stl files that have really like good looking ones too. Some great looking terrain yeah. things, and all and, and all it is then is just plug and play. Like they've already, they've already modified the STL files pretty much that you just like drop it into your slicer, and hit print, and it's like already set up like the way that it needs to be, right? Because um, they've kind of pre-engineered the STL files to account for the different slicers. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you're talking, you know, barrier like the entry is probably two hundred fifty bucks. It's not too bad. Uh, got... But I mean, you could be printing 
two or three tables worth of terrain with that. Yeah, and I've got a kid in my house who's been chomping for a 3D printer, so maybe it's something I, I need to get into. So there's two different kinds of printers that you need to think about, right? Like, what does your kid want a 3D printer for, you know? Um, if it's bigger stuff, like a little bit larger stuff, then the um, FDM, is that right, Jason? FDM yeah. printers? FDM yep. printers. The ones that have the filament that goes through it. Those are the ones that you want. But if you want like little miniatures and figures and stuff like that that you want to be printing, then you need to get the resin printers. And those are a little bit more expensive, but not terribly more expensive at this point. So here's here's my opinion. If you're going to be print using terrain for like sci-fi stuff, uh-huh. yeah. then I would absolutely go with the laser cut MDF terrain because that stuff it's you know it's a very sharp edge. It's very like yeah you know, high-tech look, it has that feel of, like, an industrial, like, you know, high-tech industrial feel. If you want to do, like, fantasy stuff that has, like, kind of, yeah. like, you know, asymmetric. A lot of curves. Yeah, then a 3D printer is way better. But if, if you're just doing sci-fi stuff, like, just Google, like, Infinity uh, yeah, Wargaming, yeah, yeah. and you look at all that terrain, that stuff's, like, all FD, uh, MDF terrain. MDF terrain, yeah. And cool. it, looks, it looks great for sci-fi. Because yeah. I think I'm going to get a lot more mileage out of sci-fi stuff than i will sure. be fantasy stuff just because i we just don't do it right on, 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 so far i mean you could set up an epic end of game rpg with some minis you know yep. on that game table of yours yeah i mean and that's you're like thing. a four layer like factory oh, yeah. they have to oh. fight through oh dude and just that'd like, be amazing yeah. My, my problem even right a now, Tatooine, like even yeah. a Tatooine, like multi-level type of yeah city. Yeah, yeah, and I've done multi-levels before. I every time you can break out of two dimensions, it really, really adds a lot to the game. And um, so I've been using like odds and ends of pieces of crap on my shelf as terrain, and I'm going, I have a box of this stuff. How come I'm not using it? Mm-hmm. So I. All I did was open the box and throw stuff on the table, and it really amped things up a lot. So yeah, um, so I want to go up that that cur- the diminishing returns curve. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, if I put in way more effort, I could get a marginal. <laughs> well, did you benefit. see? Uh, did you see the terrain that John had for the um, yes. Star Wars? So yes. that was um, yeah, that was FDM printed. Yep. So. I mean, if you're going that big, the FDM is going to be... Well, I mean, this is discounting the uh, laser cut stuff, but like, if in terms of a 3D printer, the FDM is the way to go if you're going that big because, one, you don't see the lines nearly as much when they're that big. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. You're not losing a lot of detail is what I mean. And then the second thing is that um, the resin is quite expensive if you're using that for terrain. Mm, so, so if you're using a resin printer yeah mm. like it's worth it for the little minis that, that resin because there's no lines you know yeah and um like i printed up some stuff and painted it for jim who did his resin stuff and you would never believe it was 3d printed mm. you know um but those were little miniatures with a lot of crazy details on them yeah. you know what i mean um but like they're bigger terrain stuff do with the FDM. It's way cheaper. You're going to get a lot more mileage out of the spools and stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah. And frankly, when, like we said, the marginal, you know, the, the the curve of diminishing returns, I mean, just a couple notches above what I have now or just quantity or variety of what I have now would be great. Yeah. I really don't need precision when I'm sw- 
instead of the equivalent of a matchbox, I'm putting down something that's actually that kind of helps the it helps suspend disbelief is what I'm going for. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Jay, it's your Geek Week time. We went down the 3D printing rabbit hole. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a lot of things, but I cut it. So down to two. Uh, the first one is uh, I went, my wife and I had, had a date night with uh, a guy who came to Gilcom for the first time, uh, Matt and his wife. And uh, when we were done, we went back to their place and we played a game, a board game called Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Oh. Uh, it's a re- it's a fun game. Um, <laughs> it was a little intimidating though. We got back to their house, and and he's played it like once before, and he was like, "Yeah, we want to play this game." And he's like, "But I got to be honest with you, like I should have read these instructions. Like I haven't played this game in several months." And the the rule book is like size like eight font oh, on like no. you know a giant like you know probably like twenty by twenty sheets with like four sheets and. And he, so whatever, we just took the time, we scanned it real quick, you know, and fortunately we have the kind of experience to have played these kinds of games, so it was able to kind of get it set up, but it's a fun tile-based game, like, um, where you're basically, everyone is, uh, you're building a castle for, uh, for, uh, Mad King Ludwig, who was a real dude, who, uh, lived in, uh, you know, 18, he was, he was king of... Bavaria from 1864 until 1886, which is like, uh, you know, old, like German history stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. And uh, so you're, you're tasked with building him the best castle. So basically there's like a center, center board where there's a bunch of like different tiles of different types of rooms, like living quarters, uh, basements, um, like uh, uh, activity, like, you know, like music halls, uh, like, you know, kitchen staff, food areas, sleeping stuff um and hallways and staircases and there's like a board that has all that stuff on it and every round you're drawing new like random tiles for the different rooms that can be available to you guys as as builders and you're kind of going around you know buying out of the center to build your castle that's in front of you and so there's a little bit it's 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 not really a lot of it's one of those games where there's not really a lot of player interaction versus just oh i'm going to buy that tile before you can get it kind of a thing uh, uh, but at the end of the at the end of the game, as you're playing the game, basically you're building a blueprint of a castle in front of you, and there's there's some really fun scoring mechanics, where you know as you complete rooms, you get bonuses and stuff. Uh, but it was a good uh, it was a good couples game. Like it wasn't like my wife struggles with playing like really high like or really deep tactical games. Yeah, you know. Uh, and this one had a tiny bit, basically just you know as you're building your castle, you're just trying to figure out what rooms complement the rooms you already have. But uh, she enjoyed it, so I think um, I think it's one that we'll probably try to play again. So that was a that was a fun first time uh, play. And if you if you go to Board Game Geek and look at it, you can see uh, you know people put post pics of all their tile or their castle blueprints that they make at the end. It's one of those aesthetically pleasing games too when you play it, as you see your castle build up in front of you. Nice. That works a different part of your brain. That's great. Yep. Yeah, I love that stuff. I'd much rather do that than do a word game. It's like, oh man, right. I'm not wired that way. <laughs> yeah, what can I make with A T W? No, but anyways, all right. So yeah, the last thing we did is this weekend we, uh, it's a little bit of geeky, not not entirely, but this weekend uh, on Sunday after church, we threw all the kids in the vehicle and we drove down into D.C. and we got tickets to go to the archives. 
And we took all the kids in to see the Declaration of Independence, the nice. Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Did you see Nick Cage? It, well, and so after that, we went home and watched National Treasure. There you go. There you <laughs> right. go. Good. Yeah. So, it, you know, it just puts a little bit of fun into it. Because, you know, my, my six-year-old's like, what am I looking at? You know, to the yeah. glass. It's like it's a dirty piece of paper. You know. And now they know. That <laughs> now, they know case, a, yep. now they know that those cases that are are bulletproof. Yeah. Well, and. <laughs> the six-year-old knows. Yes. And there's no oxygen in them. They're all just filled with That's argon right. gas. Oh, That's my right. gosh. Argon. Yeah. Yeah, because my daughter's looking at the, at the Constitution. And the, you know, there's a little tiny like thermometer and humidif- uh sensor down in the uh. bottom right of it, and she's like, "What is that?" I was like, "That's a temperature sensor." It says it's like 60 degrees inside there. She's like, "Oh, I want to be in there." Like, well, <laughs> there's no oxygen in there, but uh, <laughs> you know, so that was kind of fun just to take but a, yes, do some one of the family day and we- watch National Treasure. One day we can also preserve you behind yeah. glass and <laughs> right. argon. And, you shall. You know. Yes, babe. You bet. You bet. It's pretty crazy to look at that and see how much it has it's faded already. You know what I mean? And yeah. obviously, all the um, the light uh, controls that they have because there's no light that comes in it. Yeah, they if have I a light reflect. Yeah, that's light yeah. reflecting. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, interesting on that note, I found out that um, just from reading the little plaques, right, that a lot of the fading is because for the first part of our history these documents were stored in rooms where people were smoking and oh yeah yeah, yeah. so they were just they were just like you know up to the elements for the first you know X and, yeah. years yep. with the thing that i noticed was that it's easier to see where the pen uh dipped into the paper and scraped yeah. the paper than it is the ink from the pen right yeah yep yeah, it's. I tell you, it is cool, man. You know, you just sit and look at these old parchments and see the signatures of these folks. You know, and actually see, man. You know, what I'm looking at, someone's hand. That guy's hand actually wrote that on the paper. Yeah. I think it's lost on my six year old, but my older kids kind of got it. And then, of yeah. course, it's fun to think about how there could be a treasure map on the back. You know, and all that. And yeah. you guys didn't even do my founding fathers' time traveling game. We didn't. didn't. No, did I wanted you to. Jerks. I wa- it didn't line up. It didn't, didn't line, line up, up, unfortunately. Yeah, but you'll have to do it again. Yeah, it'll be even better. I thought about that the whole time we were there, though. I was like, <laughs> Man, I wish I could have played that founding fathers time travel game. That's right, Benjamin like, Franklin. A, dude, you should totally get it made, and it would be a total uh, augment to the store in the bottom of the archives, like the gift shop. Oh, I oh totally my God! Founding fathers time travel game. Oh yeah. Like Dan sell, said though that he copies. can't he can't sell this because the the U.S. government won't like it. <laughs> My Nate Pomeroy is going to be coming out with a really great game, <laughs> <laughs> and he can have every nickel that comes from it for darn sure. That's funny. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I say that now. Fast yeah. forward twenty years, as Dan is on the streets and Nate is rolling <laughs> around as a high roller. You know, it's not. It's like Homer archives. Brother. Yeah, right. Yes, so the I'm archives joking. might be hard, but I actually knew somebody who wrote a uh, little children's. The wife was a stay at home, and she want she felt you know she wanted to do something, so she decided to write little kids kids books, and she wrote a kids book on like the frontier, like the Idaho frontier, like growing up on a farm in Idaho or something. Isn't this the Blakes? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think she actually got her book in the Idaho uh, um, airport store. Nice. Oh yeah, right. So just sell my box. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's very it's, cool. it was a very pretty book. I think she illustrated herself. Too. She did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she book. was actually. She said she was telling me that she's 
more talented on the illustration side that she would do other people's illustrations and then she decided to write her own book yeah right so that's right i remember that yeah Yeah. i've had a couple friends whose wives have actually uh wrote children's books and gotten them published Interesting. So you could, Dan, you could have a family. I know. If I, you could it, get it published. If I could off about three out of three children, I would have time for all my <laughs> projects. Hey, didn't you have like a card game version you were doing too once? I, I did. I had a, I had a card yeah. game. I, I actually started writing it. I had some artwork done. So that would be perfect for like a gift shop. It would be yeah. perfect. And it would be ridiculous because it was... It was basically like Mortal Kombat, but you're using U.S. <laughs> That's <presidents>. awesome. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Copyright, copyright trademark, Dan Pomeroy, 2021, people. Don't copy my idea. Screw that. Let's make a video game. Oh, I want to see Ben Franklin. Commander in, in yeah. Chief. Yep. Commander in Chief. And now that I – see, Nate, had, Nate put on his birthday list this book about – if you were going to run into any of the presidents of the United States, how would you defeat them in a hand-to-hand fight? And, and it goes through all of them, all through like Reagan. And uh, it was amazing. It was hysterical. I laughed every second of it. Now I could use that as a reference. Well, Dan, so. don't take on Lincoln. He hunts vampires. Oh, my gosh. That's right. Oh, my started. gosh. My kids, I were scrolling through. Uh, we're watching a, a movie on um, our Plex, right? Our Plex server, yeah. and it automatically will show you, like, you know, based on the movie, it'll show you like who all the characters, like who all the actors are underneath it, and you can click on that person's profile, and it'll bring up every movie in your Plex library that they are in it. So if you're like, I really like Owen Wilson, like it'll pull up all the Owen Wilson movies that are in your library. You know, mm. that you can watch. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but we pulled up one, and they're like, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? They're like, what is this? And I'm like, oh, watch the trailer. The trailer might have been a little too much for them. But, you know, because he's, like, literally hacking off vampire heads. Um, but they're just like, our president is a vampire hunter? <laughs> like, I'm like, this is awesome, isn't it? And Ryan's like, it is so awesome. And Sophie's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> It's so awesome, though. That's one of those movies where I think I've just seen the trailer and I'm good. Yeah. And, like, I had to explain to him, like, they took, like, his story, his biography, and basically, like, his mom died of, like, what they called milk fever at the time. You know, like, it was basically drinking unpasteurized milk. You know, and she got a bacteria infection and died from it uh, when he was just not, I mean, like maybe 10 years old, 11 years old, something like that. Anyway, so, of course, in the book, uh, so I read the book, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I read it Um, (laughs) in the book. Basically, it's his biography. But instead of the milk fever, it was a vampire who had stayed at their house that night because he was a traveler and they let him stay in the house and he drained her blood and made it look like it was milk fever and that's when he developed his hatred for vampires and that he was going to go a killing mm-hmm. yeah oh my. Mm-hmm. i know it's pretty awesome so anyway jeez that's great stuff cool cool yeah all, all right. right well thank you for your geek week gentlemen dan over to you and now it's time for Tabletop and Beyond News! <laughs> nice. Very good. <laughs> I try to give it a little flair. 
I can imagine uh, our friend Mike sitting on his tractor mowing his lawn, <laughs> like getting a little chuckle at that. Do whatever. He's like cleaning his rifle. <laughs> he's counting all of his prepper stuff. He's counting all of his buckets of wheat. You know what's funny is, uh, and then we'll get into it. Like I say, this Michael loved this. So when uh, Mike stayed at my house over Gilcon, right? And uh, after Gilcon, we were chatting a little bit, playing some pinball before he left. And I was asking him about his cabin because he actually, you know, offered his cabin once for us to come, like, do like a gaming weekend. And uh, evidently, this cabin, when they got it, it had a secret room in it. Oh no! Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like a total, and, and evidently uh, there's a history. This cabin used to be owned by the theory goes it was owned by a medical doctor who was like a mafia doctor. Oh. And like when the mafia got needed to get patched up and they needed the law not to be involved, they would come to this cabin and get patched up. So there was this secret room like down in the basement, right? Wait, time time out. He's outside of Yellowstone, yep. Wyoming, yep. in the middle of kind of nowhere idaho yep how many mob people need a doctor e- out evidently, there evidently <laughs> evidently it it used it was a thing it was like i, I mean totally think about that. it I think totally about it it was that. a place you could send people that need to get patched up for months and lay low okay Heck okay yeah. okay yeah right all right i got i got that part like so if they're if they, you know they got a bad gunshot wound yeah or yeah 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 totally so, attacked by but this Abraham is where it Lincoln gets even funnier. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. So this is, where the mob. Even, this is where it gets even better, right? So they find this secret room. They like I don't think they knew it was there, and they're like, you know, painting or cleaning or something, and they find this like, you know, fake false wall or something, and they, they're like, Oh, so they find this room, and of course it's just dusty and there's like not much in there. And then they find another secret room behind what? another false wall in that one. Oh. And I'm like, okay, something was going on in this house. <laughs> something was going on in this place. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't know how I totally got off on that, but because uh, uh, you brought up Mike, and for some reason that and the, van- <laughs> the Link and the Vampire and all that. I stuff. I think but. that works for our podcast. <laughs> anyways, yeah. we'll have to bring right. him on board. Bring him on <laughs> totally. the show. Tell us talk about, about his, his so weird stuff. Haunted I get, house. I mean, the real question now, and this is for Mike out there. You need to be thinking about your answer. What are you doing now with the secret room? Exactly. <laughs> like, that's that's the real question. Yep. <laughs> That's Where? what I'm he's cleaning his rifles in his room. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I want to know. Quarry minds want to know. And why is there a swing hung from the ceiling? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. We're gonna hey, totally, this is like... a family-friendly podcast, <laughs> yes. Dan. Bleep me out. Bleep me out. Uh. Yeah, it's for, for um, relaxing. All right. Now I'm going to get back to the news. Yes, please. News, news, news. <laughs> John Francis Daly, one of the co-directors of the live-action Dungeons & Dragons film, announced on Twitter that the film is a wrap. This means that all shooting on set or location has been completed for principal photography. But there right. still remains a lot of work to be done. The film is set for release in March of 2023. Dang. Wait, that's man, that's far. Really far off. It is far off. Well, they've got to do research and special effects and all that stuff, so... That's oh, still oh oh oh, oh. That's how much still is the movie really special far. effects? Yeah, March, March of twenty three. They're that's probably going to have months from now. They're probably going to put it in the can and sit on it, um, for the advertising and, and wait to see when to put it in the summer and and put it on a weekend in the summer, where they're more likely going to um you know get the best bang for the buck. That's still pretty wild. That like I mean, there's movies that are in post production, but you're talking that like. An average movie takes maybe a year. Yeah. 
Maybe. Yeah, it's true. Wow. Okay. Unfortunately, things did not seem to be going so smoothly for Magic the Gathering, the animated series for Netflix. Uh-oh. Showrunners Anthony and Joe Russo from Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. You know those guys? They have left the project due to creative differences. Two writers for the series, Jose Molina, Agent Carter, Grimm, The Tick, Vampire Diaries, and Henry Gilroy from Star Wars Rebels, Batman the Enemy Within, and Star Wars The Clone Wars, have also exited the project. Veteran animation director Jeff Klein, who has acted as showrunner for multiple series, as well as the Jackie Chan Adventures and the Men in Black animated series, will be taking over production. It's pretty bad when... um... The guys who all the shows you recognize leave, and the guy who shows you've never heard of takes over. Yeah, my eight-year-old loves those Transformers series. Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's the Magic the Gathering animated show. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean... Well, I'll tell you this. that There was a ton of lore content available for that show to be good. I, I mean, guess, Magic yeah. the Gathering... I mean decades of expansions and lore and i mean just tons of opportunity there but whatever if it doesn't work it doesn't work well i mean you take you know creative people that have worked on some of the the best shows in the last five years uh or don't want to be on this show anymore so that's That's a that sounds like a problem of management right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Citing creative differences, it's not a scheduling conflict, which is the way they right. break up easily. Isn't that like a polite way of like covering every other th- reason why they don't want yep. to say why they're... Scheduling yeah. conflict. Well, I've had some creative differences. Well, cr- creative differences is more like, oh, this... You called me a bad name. Creative differences is more like, there was a problem, but we're not yeah. going to talk about it. Yeah, right. exactly. Scheduling yeah. conflicts means I was we're harassed. not even going to mention anything. Basically, yeah. everybody hated everybody. Yeah. Our next item of news, Renegade Games announced a new role-playing game system to power their Hasbro licensed games called Essence 20, which is like a D20, but you pair it with another die and add it together. Uh, Almost like Shadow of the Demon Lord. Yeah, it's uh, somewhat based on the D20 system, but it's been heavily modified. I'm glad we have a new system coming out to replace all these really bad systems we've been playing with. Well... Hey, 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 a D20 plus a D anything else is a different probability curve than a straight up D20. That's very so true. I'm, and I'm okay. It'd be kind of interesting. It'd be kind of interesting if you're like, okay, well, like you're really good at something, so you roll a D20 plus a D12. Yeah. And if you're really bad at something, you roll a D20 plus a D4. Yeah. And that's you know? probably just what so. it is. It's probably a lot, a lot like a dice step thing, like a mm-hmm. Cortex system. Sweet. More math. More math. That's all um, you need. More math. Yep. More thinking. Math and public. <laughs> right. The system will make its debut with the Power Rangers role-playing game Core Rulebook and will be used in other Hasbro licensed games for Renegade, including Transformers, G.I. Joe, and My Little Pony. Okay, I don't care so much anymore. Uh, <laughs> so we could all be bronies. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Next for, item on the news. Forget My Little Pony, but I would be down for a Transformers RPG. I've, you know, I remember being in like, you know, eighth grade and trying to write my own with the stack cards on the back of the Transformers. Because remember, every Transformer had a stack card on the back. You guys don't remember. 
I, awesome. I remember that. I didn't. I didn't really play Transformers. I had all the original Transformers. See, and a GA Joe RPG. Well, that's just going to be cool gimmick guys with cool guns and awesome vehicles. Come on. I don't. You Maybe. know what, dude? I. We're so far removed from know, all man. of this stuff now, though. That's a problem. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's interesting. Look, if anybody's going to pull it off, I, I'm going to give credit to Renegade Games. They, um, they're the ones that do like the Paladins of the West Kingdom, the Raiders of the North. They actually put out some pretty good, pretty good games. Like they're well they're put legit. together. So, um, they're a smaller game publishing studio, but they, what they do, they do well. So, so I look, hope, tran- I hope they're able to pull it off. Transformers, I could see people geeking out about that. Even My Little Pony, you know, the, to each his own. But G.I. Joe, I, just, I don't see how that could really have longevity. In terms you do of realize that Snake Eyes movie is out, right? <laughs> it's still making money. Yeah. Okay, what does that have to do with playing a long-term role-playing game as, you know, I mean, you could there's be a reason, a there is ninja. a reason we don't hear about Modern 20. Well, I think every time okay. we've played Modern uh, Modern Twenty was a system based in the real world. Yeah, and it's it's boring. It's <laughs> we don't want to play real people. We want to play well, something different. You know, I think instead of you know fighting mundane things, you're fighting Cobra, and the planes are awesome, and you've got jetpacks, and everybody doesn't wear a uniform, and they all have their unique <laughs> thing. G.I. Joe is a lot more like your standard RPG where you get a, a, a team of five guys, not like five actual real military guys that have ranks and, you know, take orders. RPGs aren't like that. G.I. Joe is. So I, I, I could see, see it. Maybe I it's like, it. uh, Jason? like the Shadowrun where you were doing, um, you were doing, uh, every time you played, you were doing a run. Yeah. Right. Maybe yeah. G.I. Joe is like yeah. every time you play, you're doing like, you're either on the Cobra side doing a run or you're on the G.I. Joe side doing a thwart or something. Yep. Yep. Look, Jason, we'll let you play Lady Jane. <laughs> well, you got Zim Zam. You well, got like, not everybody be wearing a uniform. You got the snake guy. You know, there's just if you want to get excited about GI Joe, just watch the the community riff they did on it. It's the animated. So, so this Joe. is funny. My wife's in the room with me, so she'll laugh at me or she'll get mad at me. <laughs> she t- she'll laugh so and get went, mad at you. She went and saw Snake Eyes. Oh, did she? Right. With Look you? Over. She's not her head. No, no. <laughs> so she has she has the AMC pass thing, right? Where you just you pay a certain amount, and you can see as many yeah. movies as you want. I love how so. she's like, "Well, it's Snake Eyes today." <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, she's like, "We're just gonna go see a movie." <laughs> we're, okay. So she says, "We're just gonna go see a movie," and so she goes and sees Snake Eyes. I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, first of all, it's not gonna be good." Yeah. So she goes. She goes and sees it. She gets back and she says, you know what? I got all the way to the end of that movie and realized that I thought I was watching a completely different movie. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Which, which movie did you think you were going to watch? Oh, she the thought Shang-Chi. she was going to see the Marvel Ten Rings movie. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's <laughs> bravo, she was like half. She was like at the end, right? At the end of... She's like, where are the rings? Like, where is this <laughs> where are movie? The rings? Like, yeah. Where's Nick Fury? Isn't he supposed yeah. to show up and recruit this guy? Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, but then I was like, that was movie. She's like, it wasn't good. <laughs> you, so uh, good. So another thing you have to realize is that G.I. Joe and Transformers, as lukewarm as they are as cinematic experiences in the United States, make 
gargantuan truckloads oh, yeah. of money internationally. Uh, they single-handedly made Michael Bay a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. like the the Chinese like made him a billionaire for all the Transformer stuff that they did over there. Yep. So. Yeah. He. Get, I mean, it's like yeah. He the movie has to be passable, so like every critic won't totally nuke it. But after that, it's just he's just catering to the other audience. All right. Oh, yeah. Next next item. Next item. Since we were talking about laser cut <laughs> MDF earlier in my Geek Week. Multiple companies have broken ties with the Broken Token yep. following oh. abuse, sexual harassment, and sexual assault allegations against the company's CEO, Greg Spence. Oh, geez, really? The Broken Token design, the broken token designs and manufactures wooden inserts and cases for popular tabletop games, some of which are produced under license. A former employee posted details of her interactions with Spence, which prompted Evil Hat Productions... Cellophile Fair Games, Arcane Wonders, Yellow USA, Floodgate Games, Greater Than Games, Gray Fox Games, and others to announce they were ending all licensing agreements with the company. Oof. GAMA, the trade organization for the tabletop gaming industry, reacted to the news by announcing they will create a code of, contact, code of conduct for all members beginning in 2022. In a Uh-oh. statement posted on Twitter, Spence denied the allegations. So here's Womp the problem, right? Here's the here's the problem I have, I see with this. So totally totally understand the situation where you've basically got a small company run by a guy who sets what the company is. You know, they they define the company, the culture, yep, the sure. face of it. But the the point and I'm not saying who's right or wrong here. The point I'm making is there's an enormous amount of response before there's been any um, fact finding uh, or fact finding or any any actual like ruling of, no day in court yeah it's hey you know and and i'm not at all putting and i'm not all making a statement about the actual situation yeah. i'm yep. just making yep. a statement about the fact that there is immediate yeah. industry response before anything has actually been founded yeah uh yeah exactly it's like it's a hot potato and it's like don't yeah. even touch it right it's uh, dangerous here's the, to touch here's the other yeah. thing is yeah, it's a small. It may be a small. Co- I'm sure it is a small company, right? Like, there's other employees there, that are. You know what I mean? Well, like, I I read her article for a long time. It was just those two working together in the garage yeah. by themselves, mm. right? Mm. Which is a okay, recipe well, for disaster. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, right, I read her side in, of it more yeah. than his side. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna agree, kind of, with both of you guys that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it it did. He does. It does kind of the define the culture as that interaction there. But if it was a different situation where there were, you know, like maybe six or seven other employees, like your your points valid, Justin, that all these other employees are getting affected yeah. by the face of it as well. But it's just it's it's like you said, it's a hot place. It's just a, there's so much of our of our world is driven by social media response. And maybe that's uh, being a little ge- too too specific and not generic enough there, but uh, that people are like I can't touch this or I'm gonna I'm gonna get painted as bad if I have any interactions right, with this right, company right, right. now. Uh, go by association. Yeah. You know, shared toxicity type thing. You know. Once again, um, emphasizing that I'm I'm not making a claim one way or the other at all on this. I'm just pointing out the fact that there is a heavy reaction before there's you know a founding in the claims. Well, and that's what society wants to do. It wants to make sure that we cancel first and find facts out later, 
because if you don't cancel, you are painted with the negative brush. All these companies have relationships with this company called Broken Token. And um, if they let that, if they don't sever their relationship, the digital mob could go after them yeah. and affect their bottom line. So mob mentality, whether it's digital or in real life, is still a mob mentality. You know, it's burned down anybody who's loosely, it's burned down the house of anybody who's loosely related. Now, at the same time, you know, both sides need to be heard. And in the old days, before social media, you know, things were handled more, you know, in a more siloed way. And, and news didn't get out like this. But now anybody can accuse you of anything in a 17-paragraph blog and largely ruin your life. And maybe you deserved it. Who knows? So the whole it's messed up. Oh, it's messed up. It's a strange world we live in. It's just... It's just, you know, like, I mean, to Jason's point, I just wish that we could get gather the fact, like, people could just be like, okay, we're going to wait to see, like, where everything settles, and then, like, we'll take appropriate action. Well, and the, the thing is, is that the internet culture has abandoned ours, a, 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 a key value that our nation has had for all of its life which is yeah. guilty until proven innocent now i know bad things happen and you know people uh, did, i mean other way around did, that's... sorry innocent until proven guilty sorry thanks <laughs> right. blah, blah 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 i'm thinking and talking at the same time innocent until proven guilty is a key value right now that doesn't mean that people that we always did that perfectly all the time anybody can point to a thing in history where you go no 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 that didn't happen there but by and large we we paid lip service to innocent until proven guilty yeah, yeah. The internet has no interest in that at all as an idea. Yeah, I right? agree. Yeah. So, anyway, this affects gaming. I think, you know, there's creepy people in every profession, and um, don't be creepy. I mean, didn't wasn't that the upshot of the Far Verona conversation we yeah. had? Which was, yeah. If you're not weird, gross, and creepy, that helps a lot to solve the problem yeah and it's it's like you said it's a difficult world because some people you know and especially women for a long time have felt have not had a way to kind of maybe be heard sometimes and and maybe just based on the context and their situation they haven't been able to go through the appropriate channels to try to mitigate uh and find recourse and then they're left with feeling you know the only way that they they can do anything is to uh, speak out on a blog or, or some other way so yeah it's just a weird situation where we still don't have kind of like we don't have the safe protected ways for people to handle these all the time yeah uh, right and they kind of have to do do what what they feel their only options are at the time so yeah. once again not making a statement about any hope that hope that everyone decides to treat everyone fairly uh and equally and respectfully and it just it just sucks that this stuff happens in any way yeah be good to each other people it's not that difficult. Treat others yeah. the way you want to be treated. Don't be a creep. Yep. Oof. Don't be a creep. All right, let's get into the main topic. Yeah, so our topic. <laughs> <laughs> We're all coming down off that for a minute. Ugh. Oh, jeez. Let's talk uh, about Far yeah. Verona again. <laughs> Maybe let's end on some positive news next time. <laughs> right, jeez. Let's order this better. I, I think it's part of this <laughs> ongoing conversation. I had to include it because we keep coming back. We keep having to come back to this idea. It's crazy. 
Well, you know, I think it's a big sensitive topic in gaming right now. You know, the idea of, of, uh, you know, appropriate behavior. Because, look, there's been, you know, incidents in the past and stuff like that. So it's working through itself a little bit. And frankly, to be quite honest, look at photos of the original Gen Con all the way through. The ratio of males to females for many years was like 20 to 1, if that. And now it's a lot more It's It's much closer to 50-50. And so... There's, do we need to talk? Do we need to talk about the ratio of males to females at GuildCon? We failed. I tried. <laughs> you know, I made. You know, I made an attempt. I made an attempt, and we failed. I had a friend ask me, "Hey, can uh, can any significant others come?" I was like, "Dude, look, anyone can come. I'm just gonna yeah. let you know, though, that last year there was only one girl for two sessions." <laughs> right. And she, but she anyone, was gonna come, but come. she she was she had symptoms and didn't want it. She was. Yeah. She didn't come out of a out of a an abundance of caution in case you had COVID. It's just one of those where Gilcon is main, you know, it's still semi-local to us and our That's local right. group is mainly just a bunch of guys, you know, that get time off from their families to play games. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. Yep. I have another group where it's, uh, wait, what? My other group is what? Four Gasp. males, two females. This is the one with so, the stuffed animals. Oh, that's hurtful. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make a serious point here. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're throwing me under the bus. Meanwhile, (laughs) your gaming group has no females in it. And the only time we had a female in our gaming group was upon my invitation. (laughs) She's a cool person, too. We want her back. Any minute she wants to come back, we found out that we were her backup gaming group and that we were. If if her real gaming group conflicted with our game, she wouldn't show up. (laughs) I still see see her uh, regularly at at church, and she wears gaming masks. It's really cool. Yeah, she's awesome. Was this Amy? Uh, no, this is Elena. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So we were, it was only last week that we talked about a news item where um, a guy had decided to copyright his Magic the Gathering selections for a deck. Yep. Yeah. And we wanted to talk about that in more detail. Take it away, Justin. So so yeah, let's let's give a little let's give a little bit of context here. So for those that have never played Magic the Gathering or any kind of list building thing, because like in, in you know, Warhammer or any arm like competitive wargaming, you have to come up with a list. Which is basically you're given a certain amount of points or you know, in card games it's a certain amount of cards or card value and you can kind of come up with the crazy combos and everything that fits within those parameters, right? So your goal is to sometimes you want to min-max, sometimes you want to balance, sometimes you want to come up with your your own genius plan to attack the field. You know what I mean? Um, that, that you're playing against. So, uh, you know, when I'm playing with my Night Hunt army, I'm like, okay, well, I think I'm going to be playing against these other armies, so I want to include units that hit harder units that are very mobile or units that um can take a beating and have a plan on how to use them and it's the same thing in magic the gathering you want to have your deck uh that you build that um you know works well and so everybody is free to make their own decks within the parameters set by the tournament right the tournament will tell you like you can have um, these many cards, these many points or like point values, you uh, these 
cards are way too OP, so we're not allowing you to bring them, you know. And but within that, like you can come up with whatever uh, combination you want to. It's and that your is own the point genius. of the game is to assemble That's, your own deck. Assemble your own deck. Um, and again, it's within all like the, everybody has access to all the cards, right? I mean, obviously, like if you don't go buy certain booster packs or whatever then you won't have access to those cards but yeah. anybody and, and can Magic have the access gathering to, to be quite clear has hundreds of thousands of cards it's been yeah. going since the early 1990s and they've been releasing hundreds of cards per set at, with unflagging speed now yeah. not all of those are tournament legal to be quite honest right but yep. the universe yep. of possible cards is massive it's massive and people learn how to min max and people learn different combos and you know, I mean, they get used to playing in events, and so they'll come up with what they like to do, with what they like to play, with their play style, and, and you know, a lot of times um, the lists are also based on kind of the meta that you play in, and metas are defined as, like, you're, you have a local meta, so, like, you and your buddies have certain armies and certain army lists, and so that's a, that's a meta that you um, will tailor your list to. You know, um, and then you'll have a, you know, you'll have a larger tournament scene meta that's like, you know, regional or national. And depending on like what, you know, other areas of the of the country or world are playing, um, you may tailor your list a little bit differently than when you go play with your buddies at the local game shop on Thursday nights type of thing, you know. So, um, so the whole point of this, I mean, is list building and it's about min maxing it's about finding the combos it's you know it's about coming up with what works best for you so hopefully that gives a little bit of context here so what uh i forgot what his name was actually i should have probably looked it up from last week but um so this guy is playing uh magic the gathering and he comes up with a pretty significant and uh fairly decent list of cards that he has and he says, okay, well, because I put this together and because it was my own genius that put these combos together and they're winning tournaments not only for me but for other people, I want to copyright this as my tournament and now I have final say if people can use it or not. Yes, his name is Dr. Robert Hovden. Yeah, so what ended up happening is a court ruled that this was intellectual property because he did put the time and effort to do that and therefore he can own a copyright it's not time and effort it's creativity yeah creativity thank you uh the creativity that he put into it so it was you know his own genius that put it together so there you go um he uh he now justin i think i gotta fact check you i don't it has not been to court so oh, he's okay. filed a copyright with the U.S. Copyright That's what Office. it is. Okay, so, thank you. Just to be clear. I th- oh, for some reason I thought we said last week he was adjudicated, but maybe I'm wrong. No, uh, he's done other trolling court. He's he's done other things in his past, not related to magic. Gotcha. Okay, I missed that from last week. All right, so he basically filed saying, I want this copyrighted. We're still waiting for the adjudication on it, right? Um, so... This has a lot well, of implications, though. It has to yeah, actually be brought. There actually has to be a case for it to be adjudicated, right? Yeah. So someone has to have taken that deck, 
ran it in a way that Hovden believes is a violation of his copyright, then he has to have the cojones to haul that person into court. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's and, true. And it has to not be dismissed by a judge. It has to like have its day in court. And because of COVID, all the dockets are backed up years. So, and there's not a lot of magic tournaments right now because of COVID, right? Yeah. So we may not see any jurisprudence on this for ha- so half I, a it, decade. Yeah. And the other thing is this, right? I, I think there's another element in here on whether or not this actually sees its day in court, which is um, he has to prove that he has suffered monetarily from somebody else using his copyright right. or that they have gained monetarily from it. So somebody will have to win a tournament that he was at. You know what I mean? That that he lost because someone used his thing to then win and gain money from. Right. Which means that if the tournament rules nullified any single one of those cards in that deck, it would be, uh, you, you couldn't win. Right. Right. So that right. that's a that's another wrinkle in the in the story. Yep. And yeah, exactly. So so he he's put it out there saying like I'm gonna copyright it. Part of me wonders if it's a joke, but you had also said that he is a he's a blatant troller for this, right? I, I think he's making points though. Like uh it to I think uh the guy who originally reported this uh what was his name? Corey something. Cory Doctorow, uh, he yeah. is a author and um, um, what is he? Writer, blogger, activist. Um, yeah, his his blog article is what kind of got it out, got it out there. He he quoted the guy, right? He quoted the guy, and the quote that he said was that uh, owning culture. He did. He, it's all about quote owning culture and people's participation in culture through copyright. Close quote. And to me, when I hear that, I think the guy's just trolling to make a point. Yeah. Like he doesn't—he doesn't have a problem being a troll, and he's doing it to make a point. Right. And what, yeah. what Corey points out in his article is that there's a difference between a recipe, right, and publishing a recipe book. So a recipe is not copyrightable, but everything you put in the book that's not the recipe. Your story about wh- wh- how you got these recipes from grandma, that's copyrightable. Oh gosh. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. And so the other point is is that if you, you could make a, a list of um, a bunch of facts that are not copyrightable, but if you say these are, this is the list of things I like that are good, and I'll tell you why they're good, that is copyrightable, right? Yeah. Because there's a value judgment there instead right. of saying here's, here's in a giant, giant bucket of stuff. It's like, here's a curated bucket of stuff, which is exactly what this magic deck is. It's a curated piece of the bucket of stuff. Interesting. Um, so my question my question is this. Uh, Jason, you've built lists for Warhammer, obviously. Like you've and gone Magic through, the Gathering. And Magic the Gathering. Uh, but I, I want to talk specifically about Warhammer because uh, on one hand, Magic, um, you have so many combinations out there that um that uh getting getting people with the exact same list of cards uh might be a little bit more rare than warhammer because warhammer you've got your books right that you had the army for and it becomes very evident which like in the old days which battalions were good and which were not good 
right? And so you would end up narrowing your choice down to like maybe two or three battalions that you would run. And then within that, like they gave you a list of specific units you needed to run with that. So like your choices started becoming very narrowed down into what you could and could not bring. Um, so the implications of this with Warhammer versus Magic, what do you what do you think? So I think that uh, Magic is just like other games. There are meta decks that come out inside um, editions that people use to try to excel in the tournament uh-huh. in their tournaments. Um, <clears throat> I think that people also use themes. Um, there are certain things, and I'm not the word is escaping me, but there are certain um, co- I'll say combos. There are certain combos that people yeah. will build a deck around, and maybe their deck is a little bit different than yours, but it's all based on the same combo, and they've just augmented it a little bit, gotcha, uh, a little bit differently. But there's definitely meta combos. We'll say it that way. That that at least when I played Magic, that would pop out, and people would absolutely copy those. Uh, to try to, uh, you know, win the tournaments and stuff. So I think the implication here is that um, if if you can copyright something like a list or a compilation of components, that's going to extend outside of just Magic the Gathering. And it'll yeah. extend to systems that maybe have a little bit less uh, freedom of flexibility um, you know, there are definitely lists. There are people we know that we play with that, uh, you know, every, I would say every four weeks, they're looking at what the new meta list is and dropping another $500 just to play play that meta list that rose the, to the top of the tournaments, you know. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. implication here would be that could they do that? Could they copy the person's list and play it in something that had monetary rewards or monetary value as a reward right. um, at the end? If Which, you're just playing to have fun, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Who cares? If you're, if you're playing to make money, then... Well, look, every every tournament has prize support, right? Which yep. is has monetary value. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, 20% off your purchase or a $50 gift card or a battle box or something like that, right? That you're getting something. So I think for Warhammer, it's not as big a deal. Because let's be honest, right? Like Magic the Gathering, you know, tournaments, opens, and invitationals. You're winning like, you know, 10. Those are those can be big money. 10,000, 20,000. Right, right. Warhammer, like, you know, what, what was the what was the top prize at LVO for like, uh, well, I guess for 40K um, in terms of monetary value? I mean, I thought you got like couple thousand dollars okay wow. so worst case this guy takes you to court he spends for seven to to yeah. twenty thousand dollars and you say okay here yeah. you can have my prize money yeah here's now, two thousand glad now, you spent twenty thousand taking he me to takes court. you to court but now there's a precedent so if somebody else does it he doesn't to- even have to take you to court right to- totally well no you still have to you always have to take him to court to oh, say that you violated it right but uh and there will always be lawyer fees yeah and i just like if we were talking, you know, hey, this deck could make you a hundred thousand dollars in a year, and with some top Magic players, you know, that's how they make their living. They actually bounce from tournament to tournament, but that's not everybody. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, but uh, could 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 if one of those top Magic players used this guy's list and got their annual income through using this guy's specific card list, could he take them to court and take their entire annual income, or right. some or or some you know. Uh, provision back yeah yep. from it i don't know well the the other implication is that um he could also sue the tournament 
for allowing someone to use that um, when it was a copyrighted list. You know, yeah, so like if he had, if he uh, had, um, if he had given um, caveat, this is we're not IP lawyers. We're not lawyers. Right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm totally speculating here, but like if yeah. he had given the tournament notice saying this is a copyrighted list, cease and, and I do not give my yeah, cease and desist. I do not give my permission to anyone but me to sure. use this. And if they allowed it, then there could be some legal charges against the tournament, which may garner more money. You know, and because he could go against a person <clears throat> and the tournament. And there's a bigger wrinkle here, um, and I don't know about what Watsy's done lately. So this could be old news, but historically, Watsy has put the winning decks up on their website, l- given out the lists to everyone. Watsy has even, in some cases, printed the winning deck of the last year that you can just like go buy as a deck. And right. Watsy is heavy duty litigious. So in they are, in Magic right. the Gathering, you tap a land. You tilt it ninety degrees and say it's tapped. Well, if you come out with a game where you're tapping something and moving a card ninety degrees, they'll come after you. Now whether or not they should or they shouldn't is, is a different thing. Which is why in Armada you don't, you know, tap a, a defense token, you exhaust the defense token. Because right. heaven forbid they come after you. So that, so there's also the Watsy thing here, right? Which is is if if he wins, and if they were interested in publishing the list, would Watsy run up against this copyright? There's a bunch of ifs in there, and if you guys know magic as well as I do, you're hot one day, next day you're not. If you're not chasing the meta constantly and spending a lot of money on cards and rarities. There ain't no way you're going to be able to make your. Very few people can make your make a living. I agree. Doing it's only going to last for yeah. like three months. Yeah, it's very true. But he, uh, and that's why yeah. I think he's just doing this to set a precedent. And it's not about magic because magic has such a fluck, a fluctuation oh, yeah. in its meta. But it's does this set the precedent for someone to use this as you know, what do they call it in legal terms, where you can use another case to justify another yeah. case or precedent. Yeah, precedent. Uh, is this setting the precedent for some other game that has a much slower, uh, you know, fluctuate uh, cycle in its? Medicine? I'm more worried about that than I am magic all day long. Yeah. Magic. This is just a precedent. Magic's just yeah. The, yeah. the tool to set the precedent here. So it's it's interesting because I again I bring up Warhammer. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've come up with a list and I've looked at like other tournaments and there's a guy in there that has my exact same list. You know, because right. like I said, when you start drilling down on like, okay, well, what's good in these battle tomes that you have to use, your choices start to narrow quickly. You know, there may be five battalions that you're going to use, but only three are viable. Already right there, you have a chance, like a one in three chance of already having the same battalion as somebody else which then all of those units that are in there, you're going to have all the same units that they have. So then you're down to like, okay, well, with the remaining three units that I have or the last 500 points of this battalion, what am I going to choose? What complements it best? I mean, just that right there is already going to provide you a lot of similarities with other players in terms of list building. And maybe they've got like one hero that you didn't have, or maybe they have one unit that you didn't have, or something like that. But your lists are going to look very, very, very similar, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember uh, playing against Slanesh. The two keeper Slanesh list was so hot 
you know, because, um, I mean, and a lot of people did it because it was easy to build, like it was an easy point uh, allocation to all of those things that they had, you know. So, um, and it was the most viable one. Like it was by far the most meta list that you could do, you know. So, um, I don't know if people were saying like, oh, wow, that, that Slanesh list won. Let me see what it is. I'm going to go build that. I'm sure there, I'm sure there was people that did that. But I'm sure that there were also people that came up with the exact same list. That so just let me kind of know what they're doing. So let me ask you a question. If, if wondering what you think the community response would be is if the companies responded to this and came out and said like, um, you know, the use of our models and our rules constitutes agreement that blah 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 blah, and w- you know th- our company retains ownership of all. IP, everything generate like law lists generated and formulations of you know armies and blah 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 yeah are remain the sole uh, ownership of us yeah even if you use them like right. would players care about that kind of jargon or would they be like oh, okay whatever so, so you open yeah, up ahead, a, a box to play it right that's that's not a an agreement however if you're going to a tournament there is a registration activity there. And usually you click, I know the code of conduct or something like that. There's a moment in which you go from neutral to active participant. That could totally be done. You could say, this is not a recognized tournament unless everyone who participates checks the box here. Now, whether or not you know Games Workshop wants to get into that business or not is a totally separate thing. Usually these game companies want to lower the barrier to entry so more people buy their stuff, not yeah. raise the barrier to entry. Sorry. Yeah, but I guess, you know, you you made a point I want to pull on there. You said opening the box to play does not constitute, I don't know how you said it, an agreement. That, or, that's not a contract. It's, you, but you actually, you just. Why is that not different than like a software EULA for a game that you install on your computer? Because the difference is, is a computer can make infinite copies. And so when you when you buy a hard copy game, it's copyrighted because they're assuming you're not going to go manufacture the parts and sell it yourself, like what happened to Monopoly when it first came out in the in the 30s, right? There you could get lots of different kinds of Monopoly because anybody could just make a Monopoly and sell it. So what's different about today with Monopoly? I feel like there's a billion so Monopolies it's, out there. It's, it, well, no, I'm that, just kidding. That's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but the difference is, is one company is making all the money, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of anybody just making whatever they want. I mean, there were circular Monopoly boards out there for a while. So my point is, is when you buy the, the game and play it, you do not receive a monetary reward for playing a game in your living room, right? You, there, there, there's nothing there. But it's copyrighted so that you can't go you know, start using color photocopies and laminating your own pieces and then attempting to sell that at a convention. So are you are you ready for the easy fix here? Easy fix, finish Here's the, the easy button. This is the easy button. Uh, the names and likenesses of the cards are um, copyrighted by the company, like the names. Yeah. So like if you were to use a name, and they could say, we give you fair use act and using names for putting lists together for tournaments, but cannot be used for any monetary gain or copyright. You know what I mean? Yeah. So basically all they do is they say, um, this model's name is, you know, uh, the Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed. 
That is its name. And if you were to use it for monetary gain, that name right there, then you're in violation of our copyright. You know, it, because they came up with it. And so, like, you couldn't make your own list and copyright that because you have, uh, you're using their copyrighted materials. And I think that's a great way to go. I, th- I think that's, I mean, we're getting really close to, uh, this is such an easy fix if, because first of all, Wizards of the Coast, even though they're lit- litigious and have Hasbro level lawyers, they don't want to burn their, they don't want to waste their time working on this stuff when they're working with yeah. license holders, right? Right. They don't want every idiot who, they want people to play Magic the Gathering, not run away from it. And they certainly yep. don't want every player yep. to start filing copyrights so they can play competitively. So yeah. guess what? All they have to do is every new product that they put out, you know, they think, you know, Watsy can ban five cards in that guy's deck. This conversation's over in an instant, right? Right. And then say going forward, for the 2022 card body, this is what the rules are, and this is the legal constraints of owning and playing this game at home or or for tournament play. And by opening, by breaking the seal on that booster pack or on that uh, on that box of booster packs, you've now agreed to our terms. Right. And there's there's going to be no way this idiot's going to be able to get around that. Yep. There you go. We fixed. I it. mean, if I if I was if I <laughs> if I was organized play at Watsi, I would look at that list and say this is this is a joke, and just find one one weird card that you know it's most of these cards that he has uh, that I've seen on this photo are all old stuff from the original 1993, 94, 95 time period. So by saying that oh this is a tournament deck, most most. Uh, Magic the Gathering players don't play with cards from that era because they they usually yeah. are are constrained to a card body that's more recent. Right, right, right. So, so I want to pull on something, and we're getting long on time here, but I want to pull on something you said, Justin. So, uh, I think obviously I'll state this again that we are not IP lawyers. There's like some true. IP lawyers, and it's like <laughs> these guys are idiots. But uh, there's also the concept of a derived work, right? So you could right, probably right, argue right. that a list is a derived work of the actual cards themselves. So while the cards are copyright of Wizards of the Coast, the list of the way you, f- the creative way that you formulated that list into something new was a derivative. So your copyright wouldn't extend to your ability to do anything with the actual cards themselves in terms of their art or you know what the original copyright contains but your copyright could pertain to the, the new creative thing you did with their, uh, Ma- their well items. maybe maybe because it would be and again i'm not a lawyer but i'm speculating here that it would be covered under the fair use act right which is the same thing as if i like took somebody's video on youtube and i decided to provide commentary over it you know what i mean and make my video um I can't take somebody's video and well, I guess I can make money off of it, right? Yes, you can. Yeah, there you go. Well, you can't. No one can make money at a tournament if you bring a deck to the tournament that's illegal. Like you guys have banned units in in um, in your uh-huh. games, right? Uh, yeah. Sure. Right. So that becomes a bit of a no-brainer, right? Because no one will ever be able to make a nickel off this guy's copyright if all they do is ban one card in in the in the sixty card deck. Done. Well, sure, but that doesn't solve the problem if all of his cards are not banned. 
If all of his cards are not if banned. If none of his cards are ac- are banned, if they're all considered standard right. for the next three years, then no one can use those cards in that combination right. but for if, the next three if years. But if I swap out one card, I'm not violating his copyright. Correct, but that means you don't have his list, and maybe you lose the power, the combo power. Yeah, you know, obviously, we're being facetious yeah, 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 to yeah, a yeah. degree, right? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. but it's just the point. Yeah. But, but those guys nullify combos all the time. That that's all part of the what organized play does. They're like, okay, sure, well, this is think, winning. We I, have to kill it. This is winning. We have to kill it. This is winning. We have. To yeah, kill it. but I think that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about how long his list is legit. We're talking about the fact that he could, during a time when all of the cards and combos were allowed put a copyright on it that that's the issue right. is could can you at all ever in its history of being allowed in tournament play copyright right that but it will true. never go to court unless there's a damage agreed yeah. and so what i'm saying is is that no damage no day in court no 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 legal precedent yeah so and and that and that's where it gets down to like is this ever really going to go anywhere is this guy just trolling and making a point probably just trolling and making a point but yeah you know how a world works right somebody could if they wanted to 10 years from now refer back to this time who someone who received a copyright if it ever goes to court and for any regard and could use it to maybe augment maybe they augment the way that a you know i don't know that maybe a uh a bobsled team is formed or I don't know anything. Right. And and that, that's the larger crap up. Now, if but. you read Corey's article and we recommend everybody read it because it's, it's an interesting point of view on the nature of the problem is, and, and you pointed that out earlier in the conversation, which is it's wrong to start trying to copyright basic culture, like activities yeah. of things you right. do, like, I've decided to put a bunch of cards in a, you know, I own card. I have magic carpet cards in a blue box, a green box that I'm looking at right now. If I go through the act of opening up that box, finding as many cards as I can from his list and making a faux angels and demons list, am I, am I going to, am I getting close to the yellow line where something negative could happen to me? And that's the real problem here, which is, I'm not talking to, I'm not talking about slippery slope. I'm really talking about should we make the assumption that just because a person has copyrighted a very narrow use case, then that puts a chilling effect on on what we do as mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it dampens the culture, people's ability to participate in the culture. And what the idiot has lost sight of is that the game is designed to be fun. And what he <laughs> what he is doing is anti-fun. And so well, I think he's I, probably having fun with it. Well, yeah, he's getting all the attention he wants, but I kind of want to psychologically uh, condemn him for missing the whole point. Yeah. Uh, and that's where it comes down to the trolls will be trolls. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They love yeah. that. They love it. All right. We have gone on for an hour and 22 minutes. Is there anything that we could say about this that we haven't successfully said? Don't copyright list, kids. That's just yeah, dumb. I just don't do it. <laughs> Justin will come get you. He'll find don't be you. that guy. Do not be Dude, that guy. We'll just publicly shame you. Can we just publicly shame you? <sighs> I don't know. That's a little close to cancel, cancel culture. We'll just take you out of the crowbar <laughs> to the knee. That's right. That's We talked about cancel culture. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm kind of... So, I'm, would you say we disagree? I'm kind of canceling <laughs> my affinity for Atomic Mass Games based on crap they're pulling, so... Well, I, that's not cancel culture, though. Well, I don't want to buy any crap from them anymore because I don't like the way they're running those uh, game lines. Yeah. 
it's still not that's not canceled yeah, you're, you're, you're just making a a rational decision. choice based yeah. off of yeah. your an experience you're having with them cancel culture is where something happens uh and everybody piles like, on well yeah and you disagree again there's no day in court right like um and like something happened or didn't even happen and you just rushed to judgment decided to boycott or Whatever, just because wow. you don't agree with them politically or, or, or you know, whatever. Right. Group think boycott. Well, yep. there yep. is voting with your feet and voting with your dollars. Is that cancel culture? Your guys are saying uh, no. Well, it dep- I think it depends. I think it depends. Like you're, you're, you're voting with your dollars. If you can tie it to like a specific business practice that they're doing is not cancel culture. Like they have stopped providing you a service that you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's not cancel culture. Um, the CEO who's giving his private money to a charity that you don't like, so therefore you boycott the company. That's cancel like culture. one has nothing to do with the other. You know what I mean? Uh, necessarily. So that's cancel culture, in my opinion. All right, I like that's it. Yeah, so there you go. We've accomplished yeah. so much on Tabletop and Beyond. <laughs> Boy, what a great! Everyone still wants to know what's hidden in that second secret closet in Mike's cabin. Oh, yes, we all want to know. I don't what is hidden know. in the cabinet? I don't want to know. <laughs> Find out soon enough. We went back to that topic. We did. We went back to that topic. That I, I, I made it weird, and now we went back there. We're totally going to get <laughs> chats from Mike in our Discord channel now. Exactly. We're, 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 in, like, in like four weeks when we release the episode. We're egging yeah. him on. <laughs> egging him on. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You all have a great night. Bye. All right. See ya.